When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Uh, yes, a very good evening, everyone. Welcome along to Time On as we get your views on the latest sporting news while you drive home on this Thursday night for Remembrance Day 2021. Damien Watson here filling in for Sam Hargraves, who is not in the chair tonight. He's getting ready to burn the midnight oil and prepare to call the upcoming T20 World Cup semi-final between Australia and Pakistan, which, of course, well, it commences at around 1am tomorrow morning, Eastern Daylight Time. It's a sense of national sporting fervour around tonight because in addition, of course, we have the Socceroos clashing with Saudi Arabia in a couple of hours' time in a match which could go a long way to determining whether the Socceroos could qualify for the World Cup next year. It'll be the first time tonight the Socceroos have played on home soil, I think, in over two years. I think the last time they played in Australia was against Nepal in late 2019. Feel free to call in. The lines are open. one 736 736 to express your views on the news of the day in sport. Or you can text in on the famous temper text machine, 0433 98 11 16. Of course, temper a mattress like no other. And uh, just in regards to some of the big headlines, one that's going around from a global perspective, Paris Saint-Germain women's footballer Aminata Diallo has been detained by police in connection with a vicious street assault on teammate and fellow French national Kira Hamaraoui, who was hit on the legs with an iron bar. Very, very similar and reminiscent to what occurred back in 1994 when you had the Tonya Harding-Nancy Kerrigan situation, although ultimately at the time they weren't teammates yet. They were competing for spots on the US Winter Olympics team in 1994, which I think was in Norway that year, the Winter Olympics, and uh, very, very infamous. They made a movie about it, so it's not often you see that sort of behaviour in regards to teammates or one teammate to another. It's not often you see that sort of thing. Uh, very, very unsavoury, and we wish, obviously, the victim all the best, but just unbelievable. You don't hear about it too often. You do hear of, I guess, some conflict between teammates, whether it be on the field, uh, just in the heat of the moment, on the sporting field. You go back, there was that famous Carlton practice match, the intra-club match between Satanta O'Halpine and uh, also Cameron Cloak where one knocked the other out. And uh, a couple of Newcastle players, I remember, in the EPL going back to around 2004, they had a bit of a verbal spat on the field. But, uh, yeah, this is obviously going to another level, not making light of the situation. But I do wonder sometimes whether conflicts between teammates do occur in a physical manner or at least in a very heated verbal manner on the field within a game situation or with a training situation as well. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Has that ever been something you've experienced or witnessed, whether it be at local level or even at a professional level? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Any conflicts between teammates in a sporting sense? Also, in regards to some of the other news headlines at the moment in the world of sport, vaccine-hesitant Carlton defender Liam Jones, well, 
Isn't that controversial? Reportedly a dialogue with the Blues at the moment. Carlton could seek to terminate his contract with the club by May the 18th if he remains unvaccinated. It's also emerged that Hawthorne player Finn McGuinness, who has tested positive to COVID-19, he trained with players from up to six clubs last week. Also, Geelong has confirmed the signature of one of Gaelic football's young talents in Oshin Mullen from Ireland. And... It's always good to see some of the uh, players come across from the other side of the world. Jim Steins, of course, set the bar there, won the 1991 Brownlow, and there have been many success stories over the journey. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to call in. You can text it as well on the temper text machine, 0433-981116. Just in other news, former Canterbury Bulldogs forward offer Hickey Ogden has had his drug possession charges dismissed. Meanwhile, the New Zealand Warriors have signed Eel star Marate Niakuri to a four-year deal. And this is a big news story as well locally today. Queensland Rugby League's announced that female Maroons representatives will receive the same match payments as the men's team at $15,000 per game. This is a good, I guess, overseas story. And a couple of Aussies that are playing well overseas in the US. Aussie Liam Hendricks has won the American League Relief Pitcher Award yet again. Not a household name in Australia, but certainly quite an honour. Rhea Ferbsey's status really is one of the MLB's top closers after an impressive season with the Chicago White Sox. I think it's his first season in a three-year deal. And he's absolutely lighting it up. The 32-year-old Perth native. And in the NBA, Aussie Josh Giddy he continues to set that competition alight. He registered seven points today. One triple, 12 rebounds, nine assists and one steal in the Oklahoma City Thunder's 108-100 to victory over the New Orleans Pelicans for their third straight victory. Meanwhile, the Milwaukee Bucks, they gained some atonement against the New York Knicks with a 112-100 to victory at Madison Square Garden. They did lead by 24 points at one stage. Kevin Durant also in another match contributed 30 points as Brooklyn soundly defeated the Magic 123-90. to Also, the Wallabies, speaking of national fervour, they're playing playing against England at Twickenham on Sunday morning, and they're set to lose powerhouse prop Taniella Tupo due to concussion. And just going back to the NBA theme as well, Andrew Bogut has called for Philadelphia to bite the bullet and trade Ben Simmons. one 736 Just in regards to some of the... National representatives tonight or into the early hours of the morning. Happy to hear your predictions in regards to how the Socceroos will go against Saudi Arabia. And it's interesting, Saudi Arabia undefeated to this point in Group B. They topped Group P after Japan obviously had a shaky start to their qualifying campaign, although they seem to have got themselves back on the parity, at least with that victory over Australia in the last match. And I'm sure the Socceroos will be looking to atone for that result as well. And they've had a pretty good defensive structure, the Saudi Arabian side. We're going to chat to Adam Peacock in about 25 minutes time about this. He'll be calling the action as well. Part of our SEN Sydney team in particular. He's a name which is synonymous with Australian football broadcasting. Be interested to get his thoughts as well as to how the Australians can penetrate through the Saudi defence who have maintained six clean sheets out of eight matches. And, I mean, the Aussies, they're going to be without a couple of key players, but they've got a few Melbourne City players coming in, including Jamie McLaren, Matthew Leckie, of course, coming into the side as well, and Andrew Naboot, who hasn't played for a long time in Socceroos colours. And interested to hear your predictions as to how Australia will go after that remarkable result in the England v New Zealand semi-final overnight. Let's head to our calls now. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Tony is on the line from Q. How are you, Tony? Yeah, good. I won't uh, hold you up too long. I know you've got a lot of calls and things happening, but uh, way, way, way back, this is Melbourne Footy Club folklore. Um, 
Robbie Flower, who's obviously the darling of almost the entire football league, but obviously especially Melbourne Football Club yeah. supporters. Late Robbie Flower. He had a... Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, he had a uh, an unfortunate pre-season tangle with Mark Wacko Jackson, and I, I think you can imagine what that would have been like. It would have been the forces of evil versus the forces of goodness. But that was absolutely memorable, and it was certainly the media got hold of it, and... Uh, I think it made pretty big headlines, and a lot of Melbourne supporters will remember that with uh, a great deal of, uh, I wouldn't say mirth, but uh, concern. But anyway, life goes on. My prediction to, for the internationals, um, I think it's going to be a nil or draw tonight in the soccer, and I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Australia will unfortunately go down tonight, um, and unfortunately might be making the final, but. Uh, they've given it a good hit. I could be possibly wrong on, on both scores. What do you think? What are your tips? Is it interesting? One, Pakistan have been in splendid form, haven't they? Uh, they had that 10-wicket win over India early on in the campaign, although India, of course, were shaky, as we know, and probably does demonstrates the significance of perhaps having more international T20s if you want to perform well at a T20 World Cup. Whether it has the gravitas is another question. It doesn't have the same gravitas, I would think, as a one-day World Cup because you've got to remember a lot of these players are very much focused on the domestic T20 tournaments such as the IPL. But I digress. Yeah, I'd have to say Pakistan probably come in with the better form lines, although Australia have probably exceeded expectations in my view, Tony. I must admit, I didn't see them, and a number of people didn't see them even getting to this point to the semi-finals in the T20 World Cup, given their lead-up form was so poor. They went down to India pretty comprehensively in the warm-up match before the T20 World Cup. And Australia traditionally has never been the best in terms of form lines in international T20s because it's not considered to be a big part of the calendar. And even if you look at the international fixtures during the Australian summer, it's almost as if it's an entree to what's to come with the Test Series, the One Dayers, the Big Bash, etc. They sort of put it right at the start of the summer as a bit of an entree rather than the main course, so to speak. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I'll probably, with you, I think Pakistan will win, but I'll be backing Australia in any case. And just on that Melbourne Footy Club example in regards to conflicts between teammates, there was a very famous conflict between coach and player, wasn't there, in the mid-'80s? Shane Zantuck and Ron Barassi on the field at yep, quarter time. Yes, that's exactly 100% correct. Um, I think I may have been there. It was out at Waverley. Correct. And yes, um, there was absolute steam. Uh, I can't remember who we were playing against, but steam was coming out of Shane Zantark's ears. And, and let me assure you that Ron Barassi wasn't going to be taking a backward step. So, uh, again, you know, it's sort of a folklore situation between, unusually, a coach and a player so public. It probably would have happened a lot in closed doors, but not in the full glare of the public. No, that's right. And uh, it was televised and everything. And Robbie Flower, ironically enough, was the guy who had to pull Zantuck away from Rob Barassi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing. It's, uh, it's all part of the rich tapestry of AFL and VFL footy, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. You don't see teammates in conflict all that often, particularly in a public sense. So, yeah, but, I mean, the example earlier today with Paris Saint-Germain, the women's team, that's uh, taking it to another level. And we don't, as I said, intend to make light of that in any way, shape or form. It's just quite rare that you hear of conflicts between teammates at such a public scale. And, yeah, that's taking it to the absolute extreme, as we know. Uh, Tony, thanks very much for your call, mate. Good on you. Cheers.
Fantastic work, Tony from Q there. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Eager to hear if you have any examples, whether it's at local footy of a conflict between teammates. Obviously, teammates do tend to shake the hands and forget about a conflict within the space of five minutes. But, yeah, it's quite rare in a sporting sense. Just updating you as well from a cricketing point of view, a lot of domestic cricket going on at the moment, aside from what's happening with the Australian International T20 team. In the WBBL, it looks as if the match between the Renegades and the Stars has been abandoned without a ball being bowled. So the Melbourne Derby, which ironically has been played in Adelaide, has been washed out. A lot of rain in Adelaide, which will probably head Melbourne way. In the Sheffield Shield, Queensland VWA and the Warriors... Certainly in full control at the moment. The Bulls, of course, were bowled out for 129. They were lucky to make that much, really. I think they were 7 for 75 or something at one stage in their innings. WA were bowled out for 281 earlier today. Queensland are back in for their second dig. None for one at stumps on day two at the Gabba, but still a pretty hefty deficit to encounter. As I said, with WA being bowled out for 281, the star was Josh Philippi, 129. Probably a conservative 129 in many respects by modern standards off 222 deliveries, but did hit 14 boundaries and uh, three sixes as well. Cam Green, 53. As we know, he was probably flavour of the month this time last year during the Sheffield Shield when he absolutely starred and staked his claim for an international call-up. And he hasn't been played too badly. 53 off 117. He was the cameo alongside Josh Philippi in the WA innings. From a bowling perspective for Queensland, Mark Steckity, who can be wayward at times, but when he's on song, he can be a very intimidating bowler to come up against. Four for 74, his figures. He was a standout bowler easily for Queensland. Jack Wildermuth with two wickets. Michael Nisa took a wicket as well. Matt Kuhneman, two for 47, his figures off 10 overs. And in the other Shield game, Tasmania taking on... South Australia. It's late on day two at the present time at Blunston Arena. Tasmania two for 101 in response to South Australia's total of 220. So the Tasmanians barring a collapse should you would think with this platform gain the first innings advantage. Uh, they lost Caleb Jewell early, but Tim Ward, who's been in pretty good form so far in the Shield season, made a century earlier on. I think it was against Queensland in the Shield season. 29 off 91 at the moment at the crease. Charlie Wakeham has just been dismissed for 68 uh, he was bowled there off the bowling of Nathan McAndrew, who's one of the two wicket-takers for the Redbacks, Daniel Worrell the other, and that has brought Ben McDermott to the crease, a very big hitter, as we know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. Happy to hear your thoughts on the Socceroos, how they're going to go against Saudi Arabia tonight. Uh, we've had some triumphs and heartbreaks when it comes to qualifying matches over the years. Uh, I'm not old enough to remember the 1997 match between Australia and Iran at the MCG. A lot more on the line, probably in comparison to tonight, obviously. But uh, that was uh, absolute, in a sporting sense, tragedy because Australia were 2-0 up. There was a spectator that came onto the ground and cut the net from memory, and that halted the momentum of the Socceroos. I think were the goal scorers that night, Aurelio Vidmar and Harry Kuehl from memory. And then uh, ultimately Iran scored two goals within the space of 10 minutes. And with the away goal rule, they advanced through to the 1998 World Cup and Australia missed out. And, of course, the Aussies broke through finally after a long drought in late 2005, that penalty shootout against Uruguay to qualify for the 2006 World Cup in Germany. So a lot to play out as the Socceroos return home to take on Saudi Arabia in an important World Cup qualifying match. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. You can text it as well off the temper text machine. A mattress like no other. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And don't forget to give back with a Mac this McCappy Day, Saturday, November the thirteenth. 
So essentially here, $2 from every Big Mac sold, including McDelivery, goes towards helping seriously ill children and their families through Ronald McDonald House Charities. McDelivery is available in select locations. Damien Watson with you on this Thursday night on SEM. Feel free to call in. Big welcome back to Time On. Damien Watson here filling in for Sam Hargraves. He's going to be calling the T20 World Cup semi-final action early tomorrow morning between Australia and Pakistan. Happy to hear your thoughts and expectations regarding that match as well as the Socceroos clash against Saudi Arabia later on tonight as part of their World Cup qualifying campaign. Feel free to call in in regards to your views on the news of the day. one 736 736 You can text it as well. 0433-98-1116 off the temper text machine. A mattress like no other. I must say as well, it uh, looks as if a Perth test is imminent, uh, or at least a fifth Ashes test to be played in Perth is imminent in terms of the scheduling, despite the border restrictions. I do find it a little bit frustrating, though, I must admit, that uh, certain citizens are not allowed in when you consider that you know, people are unwell and they want to see their loved ones and relatives for Christmas and yet cricketers get special treatment. Not that I'm against, obviously. I'm glad to have an ashes test in Perth and everything like that. But you've got to look at sport in the context of life. And when you think about it, sport doesn't save too many lives. And that, I find that a little bit frustrating, to be honest with you. one 736 736 to ring in. You can text it as well, 0433-981116. Daniel says off the text in regards to teammates coming to lockerheads over the years. Tyson Edwards and Andrew McLeod didn't talk to each other for over two years at the Crows. Yeah, it's a good point. That wasn't a very public dispute. It was sort of a silent one that went on behind the scenes, although they were very close friends. But, uh, yeah, it does happen, obviously. People fall out. That's just a part of life. Big fella says, evening, Damo. Lovely to be able to touch base again, but preferably preferably not from where I am. I think he's in hospital at the moment, big fella. Acker at the Lions became a very antagonistic person. I did not mind his opinions, except telling everyone Nigel Lappin had broken ribs before the grand final had even been played. That would have been in 2003. He only had himself to blame, unfortunately, for his departure from the Lions to the Bulldogs. Thanks very much, Damo, says big fella off the text machine. Uh, Alex says, the Aussies will lose to the Pakistani ball spinners, and we know how good Baba Azam has been as well. So a number of text messages coming through about that. And also off the SMS, SMS rather, Alex says, I can't stand North Melbourne's cartoon jumper. It's disgusting, Damo. I think that's the one you're referring to where it's largely white and there's a kangaroo in the middle with a little bit of blue and white stripes. Uh, I must admit, my favourite North Melbourne jumper, Alex, would have to be the stripes with the blue kangaroo in the middle and then stripes underneath that. Uh, I think oh, they wore that a lot in the second half of the 90s into the early 2000s. That's one of my favourite North Melbourne jumpers. Wasn't a fan of the Argentina one that they brought in North Melbourne uh, in 2009 around that era. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's head to Charlie, who's in Turak. How are you, Charlie? Damien Watson, how you going, bud? Good, mate. Good to speak to you again. Yeah, good to hear from you. Um, I see. I, I, I heard you were calling, so I said I like this, Damien, so I'll ring in. Just on the Victorians. Hmm. Um, Maddinson, Maddinson and James Seymour making hundreds. Um, also, also there's Clive Lloyd there and, and Simon Madden um, in regards to cricket and football, uh, who are great ambassadors to the game. And Maddinson and, at a hundred and, and then Victoria making playing New South Wales twice now, the first two games, and we've beaten our arch rivals. 
And we must be sitting on top, uh, Damien. How well are we going? Yeah, well, th- that's the thing, though. Victoria and New South Wales are only playing each other at this point of the season due to the border closures and some of the uh, restrictions that have been placed in. And we all know about the coronavirus situations in those two states. So... I mean, you can only judge those matches based on the fact that it's one opponent coming up against the same opponent. And they're playing against each other again in Sydney at the SCG. So they played at Dremoynoville, didn't they, the first time round the MCG, which apparently... What did you think of the pitch, I should ask you, Charlie? Because there's been a lot of criticism about the MCG pitch over the last few years. But Merv Hughes, who was at the game, the Shield game over the last week, and others believe it was an absolute corker. It was in a good situation. I like I like I'd like to go in there and watch one of the Shield games. I went with a mate to see um, Australia and Sri Lanka on the last day. Was we said it's free to get in, Tony Abbott, by the way. And Warney got a hat trick that day. But yeah, I, I heard Liam Pickering calling some of that Victorian game, and yeah, it looked all right. Looked look yeah, it looked they having a real dip dip in a real, real real sort of a good slog and a hit, and it was yeah, it was going nicely to the boundary. Thank you very much, New South Wales. <laughs> oh, well, what do you think? I mean, a lot of Victorian, patriotic Victorian supporters out there feel that the national selectors don't rate their players as much as the New South Welshmen. Do you think that's eased a bit over the years or not? Um, well, Warren is getting on. He's, I've heard Shane Warren say it's going to be Victoria's biggest year ever. But the, there's another Australian selector, um, Tony Dottermade. Um, well, I don't know. I couldn't say. There's not many Victorians, are there, since Warney since Warney um, moved on, but um, oh, I don't know. I, I couldn't really say. I'm not that into it at the moment since Warney McGrath once again told me to take a hike, but um, yeah, I'm getting into it. I'm, I'm pushing through. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks very much for your call, mate. All the best. Thanks, Damien. Charlie from Turak there. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. You can text it as well off the temper text machine, 0433-981116. Adam Peacock will join us very shortly to preview the Socceroos clash against Saudi Arabia later on tonight. Kickoff, by the way, just a smidgen after 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time as well. And just a live score update from the Shield. Tasmania versus South Australia. The Tassie Tigers currently 2 for 102, trailing South Australia by 118 runs. The Redbacks, of course, were bowled out for 220. And a few other text messages coming through. Alex saying the London Lions have won five games in a row in Europe. Uh, Some other fights as well coming through, but uh, not necessarily between teammates there from Dean. So... A few nominations there, of course, uh, with the news earlier on today. Very sad news as well that uh, such an event could happen where Paris Saint-Germain women's footballer Aminata Diallo has been detained by police in connection with a vicious street assault on teammate and fellow French national as well, Kira Hamaraoui, who was hit on the legs with an iron bar, as I said before, very reminiscent of what happened in the Tonya Harney and also... Tonya Harding, rather, and uh, Nancy Kerrigan saga back in 1994. Uh, I know it received a lot of coverage at the time in the early 90s. That was when women's figure skating was a big deal, too. They used to televise the national figure skating championships each year. Um, It's actually quite a big deal in the US, uh, the figure skating. And, yeah, uh, that, of course, I guess you could classify it between teammates, although they were competing against each other for a place on the US Olympic team at the time. So, yeah, not often you see such a conflict or such a public situation uh, where a teammate has attacked another teammate or organised an attack on another teammate. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. You can text in 0433 98 11 16. Adam Peacock to join us right after this on Time On. 
And a big welcome back to Time On on this Thursday night. Damien Watson with you on Remembrance Day 2021. Feel free to ring in 1300 736 736. The lines are open. You can text it as well, 0433 Just some news coming through in the last half hour. George Bailey has said that Victoria's Marcus Harris, we we're talking about Victorians getting opportunities. Well, Marcus Harris is going to be given an extended run as David Warner's opening partner in the Ashes. So if you want to have your thoughts about that in regards to selection, and I think uh, a lot of Victorians out there would be pleased to hear that news given Marcus Harris has been battling away at shield level for a while over various parts of the journey. And uh, I know Brad Hodge is an example as well over time where he did finally get his chance in 2005, scored a double century against South Africa. And after a couple of test matches, he was out of the international side, despite scoring plenty of runs for Victoria at shield level. So Marcus Harris getting his opportunity for an extended run as David Warner's opening partner in the upcoming Ashes series. George Bailey announcing that within the last half an hour. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to get your views on that to rig in. Or you can text in on the temper text machine, 0433981116. I also should mention that Gary Ablett Jr. has welcomed in a new daughter to the world. So congratulations to the Ablett family. I think her name is Grace. So uh, certainly our best wishes to the Ablett family as well. One three hundred seven three six seven three six to ring in. Uh, Adam Peacock will join us very shortly to preview the Socceroos clash against Saudi Arabia, which we played at Parramatta. And also interested to hear your thoughts on the whole vaccine situation, if you like. I know it's been spoken about over the last few days ad nauseum with Liam Jones, but yeah, I just wonder how you handle that situation as delicately as possible. I think he's got until May the 18th to make a decision and then the club can remove him from the list and remove him from his contract if he isn't vaccinated from that point in time. Whether a player changes his mind or not, I'm not sure, but uh, we'll see what happens. And interested to hear your thoughts on the breakthrough deal that was made with Queensland Rugby League. The Maroons, of course, ensuring that the women's Queensland representative side will get paid the same as the men, $15,000 per game at representative level. I guess it's a good thing in terms of ensuring that a lot of the female players out there can maintain a living. Very, very difficult to do so, uh, given they often have to juggle other commitments, whether it's work, etc. And uh, we see that in a number of codes, but uh, that is getting better over time. And also for those wondering in the WBBL, the match between the Renegades and the Stars, which was meant to be played at the moment, has been abandoned due to rain over there in South Australia. And a live score update from the Shield as well. Tasmania have lost their third wicket. They're three for 102 now against South Australia. At this point, Ben McDermott and Lawrence Neal-Smith at the crease, two relatively fresh batsmen after the dismissal there of Tim Ward for 29 off 102. Nathan McAndrew now has two for 17. Good figures with a maiden off his nine overs as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Matthew Leckie is going to be part of the Socceroos side coming into the side Effectively, alongside a couple of Melbourne City teammates, Jamie McLaren, one of them, along with Andrew the Boot as well. He'd be absolutely buzzing to get back into that Socceroos side. Let's listen to what he had to say in the lead-up to tonight's clash against Saudi Arabia. Familiar faces that I've missed for a few months and uh, be around the camp and I'm buzzing for the boys, the rest of the boys to get in as well. I don't actually remember the last time we were allowed to shoot here, so, uh, you know, it was nice. It's uh, been a tough last few months, you know, not being able to come on a personal level. It was tough watching, you know. Um, it's been a very long time since I've been out of, outside the camp and the boys played exceptional and, uh, you know, although I would have loved to have been there, um, you know, I was buzzing with the results and 
probably more nervous watching than being out there. It's going to be a very special game coming up, you know, finally getting to play back in Australia uh, with fans and I'm sure the boys that are overseas are going to be buzzing to be back and be able to play around friends and family as well. Yeah, you do certainly admire that enthusiasm and certainly the fact that they haven't played in Australia for a couple of years, over two years, in fact, they'd be very, very eager, the Socceroos players, to play in front of that home crowd. It does make a difference, uh, that atmosphere, just willing the side over the line. Saudi Arabia would be a difficult side to come up against with the form that they're currently in, although, interestingly enough, Australia have not fallen to Saudi Arabia in a game, I believe, since the 1997 Confederations Cup. So it's been almost a quarter of a century since the Socceroos have fallen to Saudi Arabia. But the latter side in very good form in the lead-up to this game where they're virtually undefeated in Group B at the moment as both sides endeavour to qualify for the 2022 World Cup next year in Qatar. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to rig in. I was just thinking of or trying to think of other arguments between teammates. We were talking about fracas between teammates over the years in various sporting codes. I remember Max Hudson was, he might have been having a verbal slugging match with, I think it was Matt McGuire in the St Kilda defensive zone in a match against Port Adelaide one day. And that, that was obviously just passion taking over and, and maybe a little bit of a disagreement as well. And I think Brendan Goddard, uh, he had a bit of a verbal, not a verbal spat, but uh, a verbal altercation with a teammate as well from memory uh, while he was at Essendon or verbal discussion, as they say, uh, rather than a heated argument. But uh, conflicts between teammates do happen. Dean bringing up the Satanto helping hit on Cameron Cloak at Carlton. I reckon that was in 2009, early 2009, in which that occurred. one three hundred seven three six seven. 36 to ring in. You can text it as well off the temper text machine 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. We'll take a break and on the other side, Adam Peacock will join us to preview tonight's clash between the Socceroos and Saudi Arabia. You're listening to Time On on SEN on this Thursday night. Welcome back. Damien Watson in the chair filling in for Sam Hargraves on this Thursday night as you drive home. And don't forget, you can give back with a Mac this McHappy Day, Saturday, November the 13th. $2 from every Big Mac sold, including McDelivery, goes towards helping seriously ill children and their families through Ronald McDonald House Charities. McDelivery is available in select locations. Well, it's time now to dissect tonight's clash in Parramatta between the Socceroos and Saudi Arabia, which commences just after 8pm Eastern Daylight Time tonight. Julian Dor will lead the call team of that clash on various SEN stations around the country. Joining me to preview the match is a man who has become synonymous with Australian football broadcasting. I think I've heard him calling the WBBL of late as well, and that is Adam Peacock, who is part of our SEN team in Sydney. Welcome to you, Adam. Evening. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been 763 days, can you believe that, since the Socceroos last played on home soil. How much of a tangible difference will playing at home make tonight? Oh, I reckon it's huge. Uh, the guys have been able to catch up for a coffee with, with family, um, provided they're double vaccinated and they, they have a, a negative test so they can catch up with them at the hotel, which is fantastic. It's a pretty tight bubble, but it's wonderful that the, the government's allowed those um, those things to take place because obviously everyone's still a bit wary up here in New South Wales, but easing restrictions all the time allows a game like this to happen and it's huge for the Socceroos that the, the notion of playing in front of 25,000 Australians, including family and friends, as opposed to three men and a dog, and not even the dog over in uh, the Middle East, is like 
you can't even measure the difference. There's no measurement stick in the world that's big enough to measure that difference. So, yeah, it's, it's massive for the Socceroos, and I think it's going to help them tonight. Yeah, absolutely, having that home support. Uh, Saudi Arabia, they're at the top of Group B at the moment. How far will a win tonight for the Socceroos go towards securing a berth in next year's World Cup? And bearing in mind, I don't think the Socceroos have fallen, correct me if I'm wrong, to Saudi Arabia since the 1997 Confederations Cup. Yeah, uh, in here, here in Australia, here in yeah, Australia, that, yeah. Um, absolutely, yeah, dominated Saudi Arabia on in um, in these parts, but over there it's a bit of a different uh, situation, especially the conditions over there. They're oppressive sometimes, but um, with hot weather and so humid, and, yeah, out here tonight, I mean, I'm driving to the game now, it's light, misty rain and about 20 degrees, so it's perfect for high-tempo football, which what the Socceroos is, is what they want to make it. Um, the Saudis, what it does, a win tonight, keeps destiny very much in our own hands, like very, very much in our own hands, as opposed to Losing tonight, Saudi's out of sight and Japan just behind us. So it's, it's absolutely massive and imperative that the Socceroos take all three points. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, you spoke to Andrew Naboot last week, who hasn't played for the Socceroos for over a 1,000 days. You speak about droughts of the Socceroos not playing on Aussie soil for a while. Andrew Naboot's been waiting for a long time. He comes into the lineup alongside Matthew Leckie and, of course, J.B. McLaren, who's displayed dominant scoring power in the A-League in recent years. How do you think they'll fare, given they have that chemistry that we've seen at Melbourne City? Uh, yeah, hearing that um, McLaren and the boot will be options off the bench, and I think Leckie's going to start, uh, which is a bit of a no-brainer. Leckie's starting because he's he's so good, and he's been outside the soccer set up at the moment uh, for the last couple of match days because he didn't want to quarantine and leave his family here all by themselves, which is completely fair enough. But um, yeah, McLaren and the boot they'll they'll be handy off the bench if not for this game, if, um, the next game. Very much so. So, unfortunately, they missed that big FFA Cup match tomorrow night against South Melbourne, down there in Melbourne. But, um, yeah, they'll be back for the start of the A-League and they'll, uh, they'll be huge plays for them and they'll have a big, big part to play for Australia in these next two matches. And, of course, the key playmakers, Adam and Aaron Moy and Tom Rogic, won't be in the side for various reasons. How do you analyse the depth of the current Socceroos lineup compared to what we've seen over the last four or five years, where we stand at the moment, given the streak that... Obviously, Australia had until that Japan game of late. Yeah, it's about the same, same. The, the, the depth, I reckon, in the last five years, certainly not when you reference it to a famous event that happened in November 2005, our, our <laughs> squad back then, where they were playing then, completely different to where the guys are playing now. But that's no fault of, of the players. You, you've got to look at the development practices that have taken place in Australian football since that night. That's a whole other discussion. But... Uh, Aidan Rustich, I reckon, he goes into one of those... Um, a good Melbourne boy. He goes into one of those uh, positions that Moy and, and Rogic won't be. tonight. They're, they're massive blows. We don't have the affordability of choice in terms of, oh, we'll leave Moy and Rogic out. That's all right. We've got about six or seven other options. We simply don't have that uh, of an international class. So Rustich has got to fire a lot of pressure on his shoulders tonight. I reckon he's up to it. He's, he's a really clever player. Now, of course, Saudi Arabia, they've maintained that enviable record thus far in Group three, uh, Group B. rather. Who are their key weapons, and what do the Socceroos have to do tactically to get on top of them, do you think? Well, the, the, the Saudis, historically speaking, they've been very good on the surface, soft, underbelly, not much fight when fight is required. Now, it's changed a little bit. Um, their French coach has... It's given them a bit more, you know, character, if 
you want to put it that way. He's made them a bit more organised. If the game becomes open and stretched and, yeah, like something you'd see in the schoolyard at lunchtime, the Saudis could chew us up because they uh, have that ability to, like, on the ball, they're very good, especially in the front third. Uh, at the back, they can be solid. They've got elegant players. But when it when it gets a bit hectic, when and I mentioned before about the conditions, that's where I reckon it, it very much favours Australia. The ball's going to be in play a lot. The Socceroos will try and keep the ball in play a lot and play a high tempo. I'd be amazed if they wouldn't, especially with a guy like Martin Boyle in the, uh, on the scene and Matt Leckie as well. Not not to give the Saudis any time to kind of build up, pick their passes, because if they're allowed time on the ball going from mid-third to front-third, they've got the ability to really, really hurt us. Speaking with Adam Peacock ahead of the Socceroos clash and potential, you never know, date with destiny against Saudi Arabia later on tonight. Graham Arnold has said the Aussies will get in their faces. He mentioned that in the press during the week. Will we see a more aggressive brand of football tonight from the Socceroos, particularly with that loss to Japan obviously stirring in their minds? Yeah, aggressive tempo, as I've touched on. I think that's what he's talking about. He's not going to send his players out there to try and put three Saudis up into the top tier. No, no. Um, it's about the, the tempo, and it's, it's a bit along the lines of what Melbourne City have been about the last two years, the the, the win your jewels. That's, that's a big saying at the moment in football. You, your one-on-one jewels, don't let your opposite number get past you and have one up on you to open up the pitch. And... Uh, aggressive in nature, uh, aggressive in intent. Yeah, I think that's what Graham Arnold's pointing at. And I, I can't see any other way for the Socceroos to attain success but doing that as one of the pillars of, of their tactical um, output tonight. What about the resolute Saudi defence? Uh, I mentioned that before. They've kept six clean sheets in their last eight games, although they were relatively expensive against China, as we know. Do you back the Socceroos to protrude through that defence? Yeah. Yeah, especially if that that tempo is high and it, it becomes a, an exercise in mistakes. Now, a lot of their home games in Saudis, they are comfortable, so comfortable in the conditions. Like a lot of golf-based football, like Middle Eastern, like you know UAE, Qatar, um, Saudis, they, they like to play a tempo where, because they play in such oppressive conditions for half a year, that the ball will be in play for five, six minutes, then it'll go out or someone will go down. They'll, they'll just slow it right down. Uh, I, I remember as clear as day, Ange Postacoglu on the sideline. That was that night where he ended up drenched, I think, uh, in the UAE with the white shirt that you could see through by the end of the game because of sweat. <laughs> yes. And he was yelling at them all night, keep the ball in, keep the tempo up. He'd blow up if a ball boy took more than two seconds to give the ball back. He knew that the, these players weren't conditioned to keep up over 90 minutes at that tempo. That's what the soccer is. have got to throw at the Saudis tonight. That 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 is a... Absolute must. If they don't do that and they play at their pace, as mentioned before, the Saudis are good enough on the ball to, to pick and choose when they want to hurt us. Well, I was surfing through YouTube earlier today, Adam. The 1997 match between Australia and Iran popped up. I'm hoping that's not a bad home. And, of oh, course, no. that match for the MCG. Gee, I can't believe 24 oh, years no. ago now. That, uh, should be, that should be geo-blocked. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Uh, maybe, maybe from the 80 minute mark onwards geo blocked they should just stop it there i would, I would imagine after no, what the happened. whole thing the, the whole, whole thing. thing just brings back memories yeah uh, awful until the net was cut basically uh, i'd like to see the two goals again though uh yeah, yeah just yeah. before i let you go adam your predicted scoreline for tonight uh 3-1 socceroos after leading 1-0 at half time all right fantastic adam peacock thanks very much for your time all the best enjoy the game 
Will do. You too. Cheers, mate. Good stuff. Adam Peacock from SEN Sydney joining us there. Time now to get an update for Bet Deluxe. Paul Sebastiani joins us on the line to do just that with the racing continuing on despite the fact the Melbourne Cup Carnival is over. How are you, Paul? Very well, David, and yourself? Yeah, not too bad. We've got Cranberg Cup Day to look forward to. It's interesting because traditionally, Paul... The Saturday after Stakes Day has been reserved for Sandown, and we have Zipping Classic Day usually. That's now a couple of weeks down the track. So Cranbourne Cup gets its moment in the spotlight after it was usually on a Sunday in years past. It does indeed, yeah. Plenty of chopping and changing around this spring carnival. But uh, our playboy, the favourite thus far with uh, betdeluxe.com.au to win this Cranbourne Cup. Smart winner at Flemington last start. He's a $3.60 elect Buffalo River at $6.50, Age of Chivalry, seven fifty, and King Magnus at $6.50. But uh, all the early money at Bet Deluxe Stadium, definitely with uh, with our playboy and the uh, Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. stable have been in fine form this spring. Yeah, they certainly have, and yeah, they seem to have gone another, to another level, that stable, after yeah. Mick obviously had the sole mantle for a long period of time, and he's taken Mick Kent Jr. under his wing. Now, what about the Billion Dollar Hunter, a race that continues to grow in gravitas? It does indeed, yeah. And speaking of stables that are firing on all cylinders at the moment, John O'Shea, he's got the favourite in Moston running at $3.20. Has been very good uh, in the uh, in the Everest and the Classique legend. Hasn't been winning, but he's a $3.10 favourite. And uh, I think the intriguing runner in this race is the second elect, top rank. Now, he's a, a British import from the uh, Annabelle Nation stable. James McDonald has been booked to ride first up. He's been $6.00 into $4.80 with us at betterlux.com.au and has a very, very impressive first-up record of five starts for five wins. So I think top-ranked is going to start much shorter than the current $4.80 quote, and I think you'll see lost and running drift just from the barrier perspective. Wide barrier, I think he'll go back, and I think top-ranked will start much shorter than that $4.80 quote. Lost and running a great powder finger song as well, by the way, 15 years ago. Uh, Paul, really appreciate your time. Best of luck for the weekend ahead. No worries to you too, David. All the best. Paul Sebastiani joining us from Bet Deluxe. Spring racing specials every day. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the app today. Of course, gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858 if you have any issues. So that pretty much brings us to a close for time on on this Remembrance Day 2021. A big Thursday night slash Friday morning as far as national sporting further is concerned. The Socceroos in a crucial World Cup qualifying match. That match to commence in just over an hour's time against Saudi Arabia. And of course, the Australian cricket team in action in the T20 World Cup semi-final from 1am tomorrow morning. And that is, of course, against the Pakistanis. And we do have good memories in a World Cup perspective, at least in the one day, is against the Pakistanis. You go back to 1999, the Aussies beat the Pakistanis in the final, absolutely hammered them, in fact. And 2003, in that first match, when Andrew Simon scored a fantastic century, even though the Aussies were in trouble early and they eventually got over the Pakistanis, hopefully... Those memories can come to the fore again tonight. I'll be back with the Sporting Capital next on various SEN stations. Andrew Menzel to join me to discuss the latest cricket news and Laurie Haresh from ESPN to preview the weekend's NFL action. Thanks very much for your company on time on Sporting Capital. Up next. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.